1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub on the Bat Flip, episode 90. We're almost there to 100. We're getting there. Um, 90 in the books. We missed the last couple of weeks. Last week was my fault with the, the internet. week before, it just took the week off. So uh, here we're back and ready to rock and roll for you. Recapping your week of fab. Got two weeks of listener questions. You guys came through. Like some good stuff there. So we'll break all that stuff down for you and more. You can find myself on Twitter at bD Intric. And my co-host, as always, on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, my friend?
2: We're doing well, Bubba. It's nice. It's nice to, uh, to join you again for one of these podcasts, as you mentioned a couple weeks off, but, um, it was a nice, it was a nice little, nice little break, but we're ready for the stretch. I think we're ready to just provide some, some analysis and some advice that will lead people to championships. I think that's, that's the goal, right?
1: That is the goal. That is the goal. The goal is for us to win our leagues and to help people win theirs as well. So uh, for sure, uh, we, can, we can only do so much with all the injuries and trades that will be taking place. So next week will be really fun to see where all the dust settles after Friday's trade deadline wraps up. That'll be very, very interesting. But, um, you know, we got all these playoff races. Teams are in it. Um, like, it, it's weird. I know we had a thread going on Twitter. I just ignored it because it's just going back and forth. But Seattle go like is rumored to go for Trey Turner for Whit Merrifield, all these guys. And then they go and trade. Like I know they were, I know Grayman was on the market, but if you're trading to compete, what are you doing trading a set like your setup man slash closer? That was where I was confused. But I see both yeah. I see both sides of the spectrum, let's put it that way. But
2: interesting yeah. stuff. For for me, I think um I can totally get it. It's interesting just like because the players have responded really negatively to it. I don't know if you've seen some of the quotes no. out of um, at a, out of Seattle. The players are not happy, for sure. I wouldn't be either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I feel like there's other things coming um, that the Mariners are going to do. And I, I love – I mean, Kendall graveman has been excellent. This is the first time he's been good in his entire career, like literally his entire career. He has right. been – He hasn't been worth, he hasn't been, you know, like a a contributor to his team. And so I think the Mariners are in a position where they're still young. They're at the beginning of the rebuild. They still have a chance to make the playoffs, but it's still like a 7% chance to make the playoffs because they have a really hard schedule coming up. They play the Astros a bunch. And so I I totally understand where the players are coming from, but I also think that they were able to acquire Toro, who I wouldn't be surprised if he's, if he's only with the Mariners for a, for a day or two before he gets traded, because I think he's, he's a guy that could command something decent. He's the type of prospect that, um, and young player that teams are going to want in exchange for a Whitmer, a field or a trade turn. I mean, they're going to want more than that, obviously a, a lot more than that, but those are, those are kind of the pieces that you need to be able to move and to be able to acquire that and hopefully get better at the big league level, I think would be really important for them. So, so we'll see what happens, but, um, Certainly an interesting trade, just that it was the Astros, like the night after that miracle game. So. Yeah,
1: after the bullpen blows it and everyone's going, the Astros need to trade for clothes, like bullpen out, bullpen. And then, oh, let's take the guys from across the dugout. Just come on over. I literally, Graven was in an Astros uniform, but like, he's playing the night with the Astros. It's it's crazy, but I, I'll have to go check out the, uh, the players' comments because that, that's kind of where my head was at. It's like, I get it if the Mariners want to sell, 100% get it. But if you're trying to compete for the postseason – like there's other pieces to sell. I think Graveman is a piece you need in the like bullpens. We've seen how huge that is. So that's where I was confused one game out. I can see the player's angle. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious to see what else they do next. Cause if you, if they just go and trade for another closer, that's going to look really suspect because you just, you helped out your own division and now you just trade it again. So I'm curious to see what they do. It'll be yeah. quite interesting. It's gonna be a wild couple of days with a lot of rumors swirling, a lot of rumors swirling. So it'll be uh, fun to discuss that next week, but uh, let's recap some fat real quick. Let's, uh, We haven't done this in a couple weeks, Been uh, been kind of fun to see what's going on. The top fab acquisition this past week was Tukey Toussaint of the Atlanta Braves. He had a nice two-step last week. Looked good. Um, Coming up, his prior two starts in the minors before he got called up was outstanding. Uh, He got picked up on 352 leagues, pretty much all of them as high as 226. What's your thoughts on Tukey? Because I know there's been a lot of mixed reviews on him.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's obviously pitched really well. I think the question this week was how much were you willing to bid on him? P- pitching is in short supply. So I think you're hoping to kind of, kind of get it with Tukey and and some of the bids were very aggressive. I had him in some bid lists, but pretty low down, um, you know, like 10, between 10 and $15, which I didn't think was going to get him. You know, the, the question is, is he a different pitcher, right? Than he's been before. Um, and, and how exactly that would be. You look at, um, you know, the swinging strike rate jumps off the page at 14.2%, but the end zone contact is, you know, right around league average, you know, where he's been throughout his career. The O swing's not great. And I think for me, that's the biggest question is like, the major question mark for Tukey has always been his control. Like he's always struggled to have um, decent control, you know, 13.2% walk rate in his career at the major league level. So the question is whether we're just getting a little bit of the positive variance in that, you know, the 4% walk rate with not much better of an O swing, um, you know, slightly better uh, first pitch strike rate. He's obviously in the zone a lot more, but the question is whether he can, whether he can continue to do that. And I'm not, I'm not a huge believer just because I don't, I don't see guys make a huge jump control wise very often And so we have a small sample to work from, but obviously it's a very encouraging. The BABIP is super low. The strand rate is super high. The home runs per nine is about half of what it has been throughout his career. So the major question is going to be, you know, can he sustain these, I don't know if, I hate to even call them changes, but can he sustain what he's been able to do from a control perspective, from a home run suppressions perspective, you know, is that going to kind of go his way, over this short little period here of this season um, or or not. So yeah, I, no, that it'll I be don't the, think it will, but it's worth a shot.
1: I think a lot of people don't, but then there's also the camp that loves Tukey because I'm trying to be on the positive side of Tukey where, like I said, his last two starts in the minors, six innings in both starts, two in runs, zero in runs, we saw seven plus Ks in each. That's very positive. And um, the walks has still been an issue from time to time, as you mentioned. So that's always going to be something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. He hasn't walked any – he's only walked two guys in his 13 and two-thirds innings so far, and the strikeouts have been outstanding. So, like you said, how that stand, basically. But the one thing I, I try to keep in mind is he had a massive prospect pedigree. Like, he was hyped up pretty good, and he's only 25. So, maybe he took that step. Maybe at the offsite last year he did things we didn't get to see, and then he got a slow go because he was supposed to start the year with the big club. It was either an injury or a bad spring got him started out in AAA. I think it was an injury because he's only got like five or six uh, AAA starts. So I think he had an injury, kind of got slow-goed. Now he's here. So is there going to be hiccups? Sure, every young pitcher's got hiccups. Look at all these guys pitching right now. But could he be Logan Gilbert White? Maybe. Like I'm not saying – I don't think he's got the control Logan Gilbert has. I'm not crazy in that respect. But could he get you you know five, six quality innings? Maybe three still gets you six-plus Ks. In the world we live in right now, that's pretty good. Like we, we take that in the craziness we're watching right now. So I'm trying to go with that grain of salt back to your very first point. You mentioned, could you afford him? I didn't even put a bid in. I usually always put, keep modest bids, but guys I grabbed this week and we'll talk about it at the end when we give our kind of recap on who we dropped and everything. I was in maybe 11, 12 bucks at the most, depending on my league, but I was much lower. I knew Tukey would go for much higher than that. I, I think in every league I had, he didn't go like as a bargain. So, didn't get him anywhere. I like him. I think he's a good grab. This wasn't a guy I was willing to pay a lot of money for because I want to have money for the last like eight to nine weeks we have here. Like I need to be able to to keep making moves. Um, Joe G in the chat has a question. Uh, Toby, Jake Odorizzi or Tuki Toussaint?
2: Oh man, um, I'll take Tuki just to make it easy. I'll take you're going to go with Tuki. I, I mean, hate Odorizzi. I'm leaning I Tuki.
0: Oterizzi.
2: Yeah, leaning, leaning Tuki. But let me just dive in here.
1: Odorizzi is just a complete utter disappointment to me right now. He's just, it's bad. It's really bad.
2: Honestly, I would, I would probably go with, I'll take. Maybe the opposite of that. I don't know. I mean, I, I, these types of questions require a decent amount of analysis, which I, um, I don't want to do on air right here. I think the thing for Odorizzi is that he has struggled recently. And so I'd want to know what, what is causing those, the change in his recent performance? Um, Because I don't know whether, again, I don't want to do the analysis right here, but like, is it a velocity dip? You know, is it a Babbitt run? You know, is it a, is he giving up a bunch of home runs, which may, which isn't as typical, but it is kind of for him because he's a five ball pitcher, you know? So I'd want to kind of take a look at that. So to make it easy, I'll just say, I'll just go with, uh, with uh, Tukey. Uh, but only because, you know, like we've got two months of the season. We saw in 2020 what's possible in two months of the season to just hit the ground and and have luck go your way a little bit. So
1: one thing the one thing I'll say if you want to take Oda Rizzi over Tuki without even an- analyzing too much of it is Tuki will probably still be on a pitch count where Oda Rizzi won't be.
0: Yeah. And
1: you got that going for you because we got some listener questions and it'll be a topic. You got Luis Garcia and Christian Javier with the Astros that are going to be on pitch counts and we'll, our innings counts. We'll see who else. So that could be another angle as well. All right. Yeah, something's
2: uh, going on with Odorizzi. Yeah. Something's it's it's not
1: normal. I, it, Cause doing DFS with them every time it's, it's been ugly. It's been very ugly. It's, yeah. Yeah. Even I mean, when it looks like, even when the stat line looks good, it wasn't a like comfortable start. He bobbed and weaved his way through
2: it. Yeah. So, everything's cratering. Yeah. Including his velocity yeah. or actually no. Yeah. His velocity is, no, that's the percentage of four-seamers that he's throwing. Sorry, guys. I'm trying. Think a lot
1: of it, I think a lot of it was possibly uh, post-sticky stuff as well. Mm. Mm. Could, be, could be wrong. Could be wrong, but it seemed like a lot of the decline started early to mid-June and really hit hard in July.
2: So, Interesting. Well, he had two like good a, starts uh, after the sticky stuff. Three good starts after the sticky stuff. It's so the last two that have been messy.
1: But, so. uh, but uh, like I said, they weren't... Like the the one on the twenty first was good, but like five innings and only three Ks, that tells you the pitch count was quite high. Like he's bobbing and weaving his way through this thing, and it's uh, I don't know, it's still good. It'll be interesting. It's the Astros too, so get him some. Yeah, it's a tough decision. I just think Tukey. I think I'll take Tukey's ceiling, but Tukey's floor might be worse too. You never know. Mm -hmm. All right, talking about young pitchers. God awful over the last five games. So. They're bad. Um, another young pitcher that got added in many, many leagues was Josiah Gray, added in 281 leagues as high as 286. So he had a higher bid overall than Tukey Toussaint. But I wasn't in on Josiah Gray. I think the talent's good, uh, Toby. But we are seeing him go short innings. They already said they're going to limit his innings because he hasn't had a big workload lately. Kershaw will be back eventually. If they need starting pitchers, I like, get it at the same time. He feels like a piggyback guy. Now, is he the back end of the piggyback where he gets you the wins, which is cool, or is he the front end of the piggyback? Do much for you. So, what's your thoughts on Josiah Gray?
2: Yeah, again, I put in I put in pretty mediocre bids on him. I, I was more interested in Gray than uh, in Tukey, um, just because the 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 uh, Dodgers situation obviously, like the innings limits are problematic, but the team situation is is good. Um, You know, when you look at what he's been able to do skills wise, it's pretty impressive. The walk percentage is not great, but he's got a 20.8% swinging strike rate close to a 40% um, O swing. So, and he's dominating in the zone as well. Again, over eight, eight innings. So it's a very short uh, period of time. Um, I don't know if you can hear it, but somebody is kicking the wall next to mm-hmm. next to us right now in my uh, house. My child, my uh, my garage thing where I record is right up against um, the kids bedroom. So one of them is kicking the wall right now. So that's exciting. Uh, unrelated to Josiah Gray, though, um, it's got a twenty two point nine percent K minus walk. And um, yeah, so I think pretty good, pretty good situation. I think I trust like pedigree wise gray a little bit more because he's with the Dodgers. Um, and I think we've seen from Tukey, like we've seen him struggle. And not only that, but he has blow up games. And that's what I'm really worried about with Tukey. So that, but you know, uh, both a
1: lot of risks. Yeah, both a lot of risks, both innings concerned. So I kind of dodged both of those. There's some guys we'll talk about a little later that I went with because I, they were cheaper. Uh, next popular ad, Brandon Marsh, another youngster for the Anaheim Angels, picked up in 275 leagues as high as 207. And Marsh was a, a big stolen base guy in the minors. People were in love with him. He got the call before Joe Adele, which surprised some, but not everyone that was actually paying attention. Well, since Marsh has been up, he's hitting 241. He's, he's hitting his last couple games at least. One stolen base, no home runs, striking out 25% of the time. I did not grab him anywhere. He was more expensive. I I didn't have a chance. I didn't, um, I got outbid on him, but I wasn't like super all in on him either. So what was your thoughts on Brandon Marsh?
2: Yeah, I wasn't super aggressive on Marsh either. Um, I mean a lot of this strategically is also because in a lot of my leagues, like I'm trying, I have enough fab potentially to get either like an Eloy or, um, or a sale. You know, or another, you know, who knew, God knows who else will show up on the wire, you know. So, um, so part of it is strategically just kind of trying to hold on to my to my funds um, a little bit with Marsh. Um, just wasn't necessarily overwhelmed with anything he's done so far. Um, I mean, it hasn't been bad. It hasn't been necessarily good. The projections were kind of a little bit meh on him. So I didn't see him as a huge difference maker and I didn't want to spend up too aggressively to get him. Justin Upton was also coming back and, you know, you don't really know how they're going to use guys there. Adam Eaton's there now. So um, yeah, so I, I, I wasn't super aggressive on him. I can definitely see the upside um, and why people would be aggressive with him. You mentioned the stolen bases. He's got a little bit of power too. Um or his, you know, non-zero power. So it's fine. I just wasn't uh, wasn't overly aggressive with it this week.
1: Yeah, that's how I felt like between the Upton returning at the time, like trout was still kind of questionable, but now he's obviously taking a step back. There's pieces coming back there, and you mentioned Adam Eaton. They like playing Adam Eaton, so go figure. Like it's good times when you see it. It's like Tony LaRussa Light over there in Anaheim right now. So it's it's just tough to uh to go put a lot of money in for like Brandon Marsh. The tools are there. If you got him on the cheap, good for you. I think a chance if you got him on the cheap, didn't go cheap in many leagues. Lamont Wade Jr. went in 177 leagues as high as $97. I love this guy. I already have him in many leagues. Didn't bid on him at all this week because of all weeks to bid on him. Three lefties, three righties. He is going to be a platoon nightmare for your roster. When you need like at bats right now, it's going to be disastrous. Like if you could grab him and stash him, sure. That's pretty awesome because he's going to come and play more often than not. But one of his highest, 97 for one, that's too high for me. I got him really cheap before, but he's a really good player. He'll play like three quarters of the time, but it's uh, it's tricky. So what's your thoughts on Lamont?
2: Yeah, you know, he was gone in all my 15 teamers. Yeah, he was I gone in many leagues. I
1: was surprised. Yeah,
2: yeah, I was picked him up in one or two 12s. I've gotten him a, a couple of times over the weeks. Uh, the thing about him is he's not really a platoon guy right now. Um, he's played all, all six of the last sub so played all six games. He played today with Urias in there. Um, and so, I mean, I think when they get back and healthy, he'll probably be a platoon guy, but I was actually, I wasn't like super I mean, I bet did like six bucks, I think in a 12 team or that's fair. Yeah. Which I got him for, but I mean, everything looks, everything looks pretty solid. Um, you know, like gr- really strong O swing, makes a lot of contact. Um, The home run per fly ball rate is super high. So that's probably going to go down, but he still has 12 barrels, 10.5% barrel percentage, 109.3 mile max exit velocity. So, I mean, it's all there. Um, He looks really good. So if you were able to get him in a 15, you know, certainly kudos uh, for doing that. I think he's really good. And I think the giants appreciate him um, and what he's doing right now. So, yeah, I, I think he would, he was a great pickup. I just, I got him where I could, but um, he's he's pretty much long gone in, in all the 15s and, and bigger leagues.
1: Yeah, pretty much every league. I, I'm in, I think, four or five NFBC fab leagues, and he wasn't available in any of those, uh, partly because I think I have been in, like, three of those five. But uh, he's not available in any of them. Uh, I love him when he – I just saw he's hitting sixth tonight, which not bad versus the lefty. That was actually a surprise, as you mentioned. But um, usually he leads off first righties, of, and they actually let him run, too, which is outstanding. He's got power, speed. Like, he's going to be a potential 15-15 guy this year, which is crazy when you really sit back and think about Lamont Wade Jr. at the beginning of the season. So, um, yeah, I think if you can grab him and you can use him at the right times when they aren't platooning him, which they aren't now, for now, we'll see how in the next left he goes. I think it's outstanding. I think he's a really good player. I, I've, I don't have too much more to say about him, except I think he's one of the better moves. Like, you know, the Twins didn't want him. Farhan grabbed him off the, the waiver wire, so it's a, it's a beautiful thing. All right, uh, another guy that's, you know, your your best ball in D.C. teams must be ecstatic, Toby, because Dalton Varshow got picked up in 165 leagues as high as $251, and boy, oh boy, like I tweeted it out, I think, on Saturday or Sunday after Varshow's hit every home run on the planet in Wrigley Field this weekend. I think he hit two on Saturday. I guess so it must have been Saturday night I tweeted it out. I said, I can't wait to see how much money he goes for. And he went for a pretty penny. I was not able to acquire him anywhere. So he went for more than I wanted, but he homered in three straight games, didn't homer on Sunday, down, but then he's pet ninth on Tuesday, which is weird after hitting leadoff all weekend in Wrigley. The tools we liked, Toby, he's got playing time now, might be getting comfortable. Are you buying in for a potential two-month surge for adults of our show?
2: Um, I, um, I don't know you're right. My DCs where I drafted him, I'm feeling great about drafting him in in the 10th round. Just kidding. I'm not, Uh, but it should be a fun end of the season, at least in that respect. I mean, again, another guy who we were writing off, you know, myself included, I think a a lot, um, you know, after 241 plate appearances. Right. But when you look at the skills, I mean, it's nice. Like Contact rate is above league average. O-swing, slightly above league average, but nothing like too concerning. You know, continues to hit the ball in the air at a de- decent clip. His line drive rate is low, which may be driving that 243 career BABIP. But his strikeout rate is down to 24%. His walk rate's at 14%. Four home runs, three RB- uh, three stolen bases. At that catcher position, he went... Um, Scored two runs today. I, I don't know if he got any hits, but uh, and then you look at the max exit VL, 110.4. That's great. Barrel rate, 7.6%. Solid league average, you know, six barrels. Um, and he's stealing bases. I mean, he's doing everything that people were hoping he would do, do. The batting average is low. It's on the low side, but again, he's got a very low BABIP right now. And we don't know, maybe that's who he is going to be. But the projections have him at around a 280 Babbitt. So there's some potential growth there. So he could be a difference maker down the stretch for sure. Um, He's going to get playing time. There's no reason he won't play every day. Like you mentioned, he's he's playing today. I'm trying to remember if they're facing a lefty or not. No, they weren't.
1: They're facing facing Dane Dunning. Dane Dunning. He he hit ninth. He walked twice. He scored
2: both times. He walked. yeah. 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 So, you know, We'll see, but he's a great catcher to have right now. Honestly, like, there was, there's these great catchers that are available, and I don't need any of them above. I don't need yeah. any of these catchers. My worst catcher on any of my teams right now – actually, I have one team. I have one team in a 15-teamer, and I picked up – I think I have Pedro Severino still there as my, like, worst but catcher horrible. that I have. he's <laughs> not horrible. No, it's not horrible at all. No. I, mean, I think he had, a, like, an RBI single today or something like that. He's been hitting well um but like yeah i have eric haas in a couple spots mm-hmm. who has uh, he, had a, grand he had a grand slam, slam today yep. but everywhere else it's like sal perez jt rao muto all these guys so no cal raleigh for me none of you know well, all these guys no, Rio Muto's your worst catcher right now probably i haven't he, he was miserable today but he stole a base yesterday you know it happens i'm just hoping he gets hot one more time it looked like he was yeah. he was getting there batting average wise for a little bit but kind of falling off a little bit, so we'll see. I mean, yeah, you obviously he's wish fighting. you had more from JTR, but we still got we still got two months of the One season. Yeah, if you get to 15-10 in today's environment with catcher. Yeah. It's not bad, not
1: bad. But uh, a little more on show here since the All-Star break. He's pretty much started every game, most of the time, in uh, at catcher. And he played two games in center field, which is intriguing. But he's hitting 400 since the break with three homers, two stolen bases. And uh, he's only striking out 20% of the time while walking nearly 17% of the time. So I think that's really good to see that plate discipline from Varsho as as picking it up. You mentioned his stat cast metrics, um, 10.5% barrel rate, near 48% hard hit rate as well since the All-Star break. So he's putting it together very, very well, as you said. And um, the catcher comments you made, I'll save it for a listener question because it's been a topic on a few shows of mine lately. And uh, it's very interesting, the catcher's position this year. Be fun come the offseason. Uh, the next pickup this past week, another youngster. It's, it's a theme this time of year, folks. Tanner Houck of the Boston Red Sox picked up in 136 leagues, as high as a hundred dollars. I grabbed him in a few leagues for very cheap because he was all over the board. Uh, people were going for the Grays and the and the Tukeys, and you know Houck kind of went a little under the radar because it was you know he got he has Toronto on deck, so no one wants him. Well, I was adding guys for the future, not so much this past week in certain leagues, and uh, Houck met that bill. He was outstanding his last time out against Boston. He's been great as two starts first Boston, or his two appearances first Bo- against New York, I should say, because he's on Boston. But he's, he's been very strong since he got recalled on uh, July 16th. What's your thoughts on Tanner Houck, who I think brings great strikeout upside to a roster?
2: Yeah, um, I, I like Houck. Um, I definitely like Houck uh, a decent amount. You know, He was successful last year um, in the majors. He's thrown, shown that he has strikeout stuff. You know, he's got a good O swing, you know, in his, in his short major league career, strong K minus walk, swinging strikes there. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in the zone, he's been okay, you know, 86% uh, in zone contact, but I like it a lot. The reason why I have not been in on him. I mean, he went in most 15s a couple weeks ago and he was scheduled to face Toronto. And I think the Yankees like Toronto three times and the Yankees once in his first four starts. And I like, I just couldn't, um, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, Because I was like, I was like, if he pitches brilliantly against Toronto in his first start, am I going to pitch him against Toronto again the next week? Probably not. Right. And so it's just kind of like one of these situations where you're like, I'm not going to play him. So it's really like a waste of a, of a roster spot, but you know, with games getting moved around and stuff like that, he's got, Um, he's got at Detroit next week, which could be a really juicy matchup for him. Although Detroit's been a little bit tougher, um, of late. Um, and then I think he has, um, after that, he'll either have Toronto or Tampa Bay. So it's worked out well, I think for the guys that he, the guys who kind of, who who went after him and I give you kudos for folks who did again, he went in 15 team leagues, uh, last week or the week before that, but I think he was available in some 12s this week. So, yeah, he seems like a good, a good, a good bet. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like him quite a bit. The biggest concern is he mentioned the matchups because that's been frustrating to um, not start him all the time there because I'm not putting him up against Toronto. If it's the Yankees, I put him up, but um, he was supposed to get Toronto. A rain out forced him to get uh, the Yankees last week. It turned out to be a good start, but now it's switched to Detroit and everything. So now it's looking a little juicier. As you mentioned, but um, the biggest thing for him is even in the minors, he was going three, four innings. He hasn't really gone five innings once this year. They'll stretch him out. That's what they said. They want him to be a starter. So they're stretching him out. He went four and two thirds his last time out, which is great. If you can get me five to six innings, I think the strikeout stuff's pretty legit. So um, that, that'll come up in a, in a big, big way. Uh, since we have a lot of listener questions, Toby, let, yeah, since uh, we have a lot of listener questions, let's just jump to um, the parts where we talk about who we added and dropped this past week. So, who are some of your big ads and your big drops right now?
2: All right, let's check it out. Um, so, in one league, I added Waskar uh, Yanoa. Um, he is starting his rehab this week, um, and he's a guy who has shown that he was, he was really good earlier on in the year. And so if he can come back and and have the same velocity and be able to do the same things, I like picking him up a week or two early before he goes for really high prices. Um, And then I dropped Anthony Bender uh, who has, you know, I was hoping would get the closer role, but he's been anywhere from the sixth inning to opening games. And, you know, and so I, I just don't think he's next up. I think if anybody's next up, it's probably Dylan Floro over there. So I was not in on him. Picked up Willie Castro a bunch of places. He came up midweek last week. Played the first four games. Has started the first two this week. the The Twins or the Tigers have a great matchups uh, this week. They have three against the Twins and then four against Baltimore. And then next week they have three against the Red Sox and three at Cleveland. And we know that those teams, you know, pitching staffs are not that great, you know, and especially uh, Cleveland's, um, you know, recently. So those were two players that I added, and I dropped Nick Solak, um, who was demoted, who's been a huge disappointment. I added Miguel Cabrera, dropped Zach Britton, added Willie Castro again, dropped Nick Solak, added uh, Rafael Ortega of the Cubs. The Cubs have faced six right-handed pitchers this week, and Ortega had been playing every day, even against lefties. He didn't play yesterday, but he's been leading off, went two for three today with a run scored. Um so that was nice. I gra- I dropped Orlando Arcia who who sucks and isn't playing every day. Um I also added Enrique or uh Kike uh, Hernandez. I dropped Anthony Bender. That was a big bid. I bid 74 bucks runner up of 28. So I went a bit over but man, I mean Kike has been dra- hitting first in that lineup every single day. This is a 15-teamer. So I went, I went aggressive because I felt like he was probably the best header hitter. I'm going to be able to get, Um, you know, going forward again, dropped Anthony Bender. I added Daniel Hudson hoping that he might end up in a closer role somewhere either in, in, with the Nats or if he's traded. Um, I dropped, um, I dropped Cole Calhoun there. Uh, That was, was a little bit of a tough drop for me. The reason I dropped Calhoun is because he hasn't been playing against lefties. Arizona only has five games this week and it looks like they're going to face a couple lefties next week. And so when that's the case, it's just like, you know, I, if you're kind of borderline as it is, and then you're going to be platooned, I just, I'm not going to hold a roster spot for you um, for too long. So that was maybe a little bit of a controversial drop added Wilmer Flores, dropped Taylor walls, added Brian Anderson, who was a huge pickup. I I love Brian Anderson. Um, you know, if he was in any leagues, I was going after him, Anthony Bender. I dropped there. I dropped Odabel Herrera and picked up Ortega for this week. And really that was just a matchup thing. Then I added Brett Gardner and dropped Ian Happ, which Gardner now that Judge is back is back on the bench. Um, you know, that was probably a bad move on my end, honestly, like not to, not to drop Happ just cause he's awful. And I need batting average in a bunch of places, but more just because I think, um, uh, Probably Gardner was not the guy to go there. I probably should have spec on another closer or something like that um, with what was available. Um, let's see what else we got. Added Mickey again, dropped Taylor Walls, added Donovan Solano, dropped JT Brubaker. Um, this is not a league where I have a decent amount of pitching and I just didn't see myself starting Brubaker in the next couple of weeks. He's, He's been, been getting so worse and worse. Yeah. yeah he only bad. went four innings last game. So he's at the point where it's like, is he better than a streamer? Maybe for strikeouts, but you know, just, just, just a solid maybe. And I've got enough options there. And I, I added Solano cause he's been playing every day. Um, added a Rafael Ortega dropped Zach Britton added Jose Suarez. For some reason I had Jose Cisnero still on the team. Um, dropped that Suarez poor guy. I mean, yeah. he got lit up today, but, you know, two, two, he had four unearned runs. He had to get three additional outs throughout the game because of errors, including two in the first inning. So as much as like that ended up being a dud, he did strike out four in the three and a third. It was a bad outing, but man, it's tough when your defense is that God awful behind you. Um, I added Hudson dropped Bender added Elias Diaz dropped Ryan Jeffers because Garver's back and playing, you know, two out of every three games. Um, added Nagowski, Nog- dropped Taylor Walls, added Ortega, dropped Bender, added Alcides Escobar, dropped Eflin. I have really good – this is FBI, I have really good pitching in TGFBI, so I could, I could handle that. And then added Donovan Solano, dropped Nick Solak um, in 12-teamers. It was Rafael Ortega for $1, Josh Harrison for $1, um, just to take advantage of eight games and or seven games and solid matchups. Added Joaquin Soria, dropped Pablo Le- Lopez because of the injury. Added our boy Lamont Wade, who we talked about, dropped Pete Fairbanks. I was hoping that Fairbanks might get access to his, a little bit of saves. Added Gregory Soto, dropped Caleb Smith, who had a two-start last week. but Moving on from that added Joey Votto. He was available in this league. Oh, dropped Jason Peterson and then added Kike and dropped Ryan Yarborough. Um, this is one of my leagues where I'm I'm in first place in that one, so um, so that's kind of what I did. How about you? What were you what were you up to this week?
1: Uh for me, uh, when it comes to we'll start with what league is this? Uh, TGFBI. I I got, I'm doing the whole let's just start finding innings and wins and strikeouts, so I didn't need a whole lot and there wasn't a lot out there. So I went and added Jonathan uh, Loisiga and dropped Mm -hmm. Luis Urias, which now with Chase Peterson getting COVID, that's kind of a burner. But uh, I got Loisiga for like two bucks. Loisiga, I say for two bucks. So I had that one. Uh, That's about all I did in that league. Um, In my OC qualifier, I got uh, Jordan Holloway, dropped Arkady, who seems like he's out for quite a bit longer still with that shoulder injury. And I think Holloway again. I my biggest weakness in pitching right now is strikeouts, and so I'm looking for guys who can just go and get me K's. And Holloway is a strikeout arm once he's out there. So I grabbed Holloway for six dollars, um, and then I also I grabbed Jose Suarez as well for two dollars. And I dropped Zach Eflin because I have tons of pitching in that league. So that one kind of stings that it was uh, – out of all the guys, I had bids on so many pitchers, and I got Suarez out of all the guys for it. That uh, that one kind of stings. All I did was bid on pitchers in that league, no hitters at all. Um, in my 125 satellite, I grabbed Tanner Houck for uh, – I actually bid 31 on him and uh, dropped Zach Eflin again because I just – I'm not dealing with that anymore. And then um, I got Jordan Holloway. I dropped Victor Robles as he's a platoon player now, which is great. And then my last uh, NFPC league, I grabbed Madison Bumgarner and a twelve teamer for twenty one bucks, and I dropped Zach Eflin. So that's fun. Um, and then I grabbed Tanner Houck and dropped Darren Ruff for eleven dollars, and I grabbed Francisco Mejia for one dollars and dropped Jake Rogers, who is injured. So uh, tons of catchers out there. Mejia was the best one in that league because Varsha went for. Let me see. Let me see how much Varsha went for. So I know I had a bid in on Varsha. But it uh, doesn't say I have to go back and look. But he went for a lot more than I put out there. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, not a lot of activity for me, but knock on wood, I haven't needed to force my hand, and my budgets are pretty low. So it's uh, it's just tread the water. I was looking for strikeouts, which is why I like Houck and Holloway and those kind of guys, and even Lois who's he gets like one or two wins a week almost right now, at least one, and he's getting a ton of strike. I started doing the math in my head. If he goes two to three outings a week, he's going to get you about five innings and basically a K K plus per inning, give or take, and a chance for at least one win out of that, that's better than like a lot of these streamers we're talking about right now. So I'll take my chances with that. Uh, I didn't even use them this week. It's just one of those, like, I'll have them there for the weeks I need them because I've been using extra relievers. Like some leagues in 12s, I picked up a couple closers recently. I'm not using them this week. I might use them next week. It depends on the matchups. It's, uh, it's matchup-based right now, as Toby knows very well. But, uh, yeah, overall quiet week for me uh on fab and just hoping to keep things going strongly because it's been a good start to the year but two more months is a long ways to go um all right listener questions we have questions from last week and we have questions from this week and we'll start with the ones from last week richard sands asks 16 team redraft by five, five home league he's in first and it's a one catcher league he has max Stasi but Garver and this might be not existence anymore cuz this was a couple of weeks ago but we'll we'll add, answer it. Uh Garver's on the waiver wire. Would you make the swap? Both have had same at bats, but Stassi hitting 300. It comes down to do you need batting average or do you need power? That's the way I look at it. That's the simple answer. Garver's the obvious power choice. So basically Stasi, Garver, normal no more roto league, which one do you want?
2: Yeah, I mean one thing that I think would be that would be um that's always helpful to do is, you know, when you're thinking about rest of season is to use just as just uh, process wise is to use the auction calculator on fan graphs and plug in projections just to see if they're equivalent. Right. And then you can see things like, Oh yeah. Like why, why would I want to go for, you know, Stassi? Why would I want to go for Garver and see what the projections say, see if there's a big differential in value. Oftentimes there isn't, you know, so, like, the Bat-X has Stasi for the rest of the season, 235 with seven home runs, 19-19. And then Garver, Bat-X has him for 229, eight home runs, 20 runs, 21 RBI. So, you know, maybe slightly better batting average for Stasi, although, you know, historically throughout his career – He has not been a a good batting average guy. So, I mean, I would probably lean Garver in this instance, although it depends on how the twins who are out of the running are going to use Garver. Like, are they going to start him two? Are they going to do two to one with Jeffers? Are they going to do every other day with him? So that would depend a little bit, but I think they're both options. They're both relatively similar players. I might lean a little bit towards Garver.
1: Yeah, I, I like Garver for the power aspect. Like, if you're desperate for average, I'd stay stick with Stassi because I like Stassi a lot. I think he's very, very good. I have Stassi in many leagues, um, especially like DC formats. Uh, but I have Garver in a handful as well. So uh, I have no problem with either one. And it kind of leaves – I think this is the catcher question I wanted to bring up. You mentioned how many guys are out there, and it's wild. And it, it brings the question – it'll be fun in the offseason to look at it, and it might. it's obviously maybe a one-year thing. But I've I said it on a, some shows recently – you can almost stream catchers right now. It's that wild out there. Like if you if say you had an injury, say you had a big guy and you say God forbid JTR is out for the year, you could still survive by streaming catchers right now. That's how crazy it is. Like I got Mejia for a buck. Is it a great one? No, but a couple of weeks ago you could have got Torrens for like two bucks. You could have got like you could mix match. Jeffers was great before Gar Garver was out. Uh Williams Astadio's back. You can get him nice and cheap. Like there's a lot of guys out there. And the other crazy part is Tigers, Rangers. I guess technically the Twins now and some other teams, they're playing two catchers most days. The Mariners are playing three right now. The other day they had Torin, Raleigh, and Murphy all in the lineup at the same time. So if they're getting decent enough at-bats, that just adds to the depth of the player pool. So obviously it needs a lot more analysis, but it just seems like there's so many catchers out there right now. There's so many that are hitting 240 to 250-ish, it feels like, with some pop. Like you mentioned earlier, 10 to 15 home runs, thats that'll do. There's a lot of guys doing that at catcher. So it'll be – like even Kirk Kasali, while Buster was hurt, was quasi-productive in a 15-team league. Like it's, it's really strange right now. So that was my two cents on the catchers. I don't know if you have anything else to add on that.
2: No, I mean, it'll definitely be um... – um, we have some breaking news, I guess, on our Garber question. Sounds like he was hit on the ri- wrist and removed. Oh, I saw that he now, got hit apparently. in the 10th. I saw he got hit. I didn't
1: yeah. know it was that
2: bad. Yeah, uh, uh, Alex uh, Thistlewood uh, mentioned that. So that's something to be cognizant of. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we need to – I'll have to just take a look at the catcher pool. You know, I think obviously Sal Perez has been just Amazing. absolutely incredible – and he plays every single. Like he plays every single. Well, that's game. why we argued for him at the beginning of the year. No catcher yeah. plays the way he does. Like nobody does.
1: <laughs> totally,
2: um, you know. And so it'll just be a matter of like seeing what 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 makes sense. Um, obviously, I think waiting on catchers has worked out pretty well for folks um, so far um, this year. Um, so yeah, I think it all depends. I, I got to look at the full spectrum like you know i'm not paying a ton of attention to a lot of the catchers who are doing well who are you know who i don't have on any of my teams you know so yeah, we well, will have to that. do a, a full kind of analysis of it and, and see where people are and see where they're going adp wise and all of that yeah no it'll be
1: it'll, it'll be like i said it'll be a fun discussion in the offseason to kind of break down like look at the player raider uh rasval player raider and stuff like that and see what these guys are actually like sink in not just a catcher but elsewhere i think it'll surprise people like they're not gonna be all top 20 guys but you might have more than you think in like the top 150 or 200 where most drafts you're taking if you're punting catcher you're taking them way past 200 so it makes it it makes it interesting in that regard little book of calm has a question for us he said how would you rank the innings output of each of the following starting pitchers rest of a season patrick sandoval tariq skubal luis garcia trevor rogers how would we how would we what rank rank the innings output of each going forward
2: Oof. I mean, I know for Rodgers, they said that they were going to limit him a while back to 80 more innings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so what that brings him up to, I would say probably, what does he have? Probably 45 I'd more say,
1: innings. I'd say he's got like maybe seven to eight more starts. Yeah. Depending on how many innings he goes, I'd say seven to eight more starts. Max. Yeah.
2: Um which could
1: which could realistically be the rest of the season once he gets back from the IL
2: once a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Sandoval. I think he's I mean, fine. He, he, he has not the most innings he's thrown is 120 back in 2019. So but he's he's at seventy one, so probably fifty, you know, something yeah. like that. I don't know. I mean, the thing is we're just guessing, right? Like I the only one I know news on is is Trevor Rogers. They've yeah. said that very firmly that they were gonna cap his his innings. Um who are the other guys? Sandoval? Um
1: Sandoval, Scoobyl, and Garcia. Scoobyl is gonna get shut down here pretty. Oh, not shut down, but he's gonna get the Casey Mice treatment shortly. Uh, they've done it to Mice. Basically, once they want to do it to Scoobyl, they let Mice go deep again and then Scoobyl's getting it. So that's coming. Or he's gonna start yeah, going. Like, definitely
2: 30. cause because the, the pirates uh, or the the Tigers I mean. are are limiting those guys, you know, the number of innings that they're throwing. Um, Let's see our friend. So the most that Luis Garcia has thrown is he shut down pretty soon. Yeah.
1: Um, he's going pretty soon.
2: Have they mentioned that specifically? No,
1: but there's been rumblings about it through beat reporters and others. Basically him and Christian Javier will probably swap. Okay. Or Javier's in the bullpen. That's kind of the idea behind it, barring other injuries and forcing their hand elsewhere. Because they want Garcia for the postseason, obviously. So hmm. the idea, I think, is to bring Javier to the rotation and put Garcia in the pen. I think that's kind of where things are leaning. When that happens, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe a couple more starts and then they start doing that. Okay. Yeah, that, especially that makes if, sense. Especially if they Especially if they trade for another
2: pitcher. Yeah. Keep that in mind, yeah. too. Yeah, it's a bummer. Garcia really blew that start yesterday. God. Yeah, it's
1: that time of the year. That time of the year, all the fun stuff? Well, it's been that way all year. Actually, I shouldn't say that time of the year. There's been so many. It's like one a day. There's a different one going, oh, my goodness. But um, I'll mention some more just for everyone's common sense here. The Brewers obviously said they're going to go about 100 extra innings for each of their guys. Well, Peralta got limited the other day. Council even came out and said Burns and Woodruff. Woodruff I'm not as worried about, but he's going to get it too. They're going to limit them once in a while too, but they're not going to let us really know. It's going to be just like a random. Hey, you're going to go three to four innings, but then your next three starts are going to go your normal like work. It's just going to kind of be a wishy washy deal, and like this week they only have five games, so it makes total sense to limit one and like they could piggyback. You could put Burns and Woodruff or Burns and Peralta in the same start and limit both their innings. Um, so that's going to happen off and on, and we probably won't know at all when that's going to happen. So. That's going to happen. Play with a lot of teams, to be honest. Like that's we we, we yeah. discussed this many times, Toby, before the season started. That this is going to be a thing, and we've hit that part of the year where it's going to start being a thing. <laughs> so For sure. it, it's just uh, you kind of got a grin and bear it type thing, as they say. It's going to be hopefully they let you know, like some like at least the Tigers said, "Hey, it's what we're doing." Cool. Other teams, they might just say, "You know what? We're up big, or we're getting smoked. We're just not going to play them right now." <laughs> that kind of thing, and that's their way of doing it. I don't know. All right. Uh, Dave Petrosiello asks a couple questions. Uh, One player who isn't getting much buzz, understandably, because of guys like Otani and that guy from Toronto is Manny Machado. He's starting to heat up after a slow start, and I bet he totally mashes for the last two-plus months. True. Um, But his other question, which he asked again uh, tonight, is Casey Myers a drop in 12-team leagues, four innings per start right now. We kind of talked about he's about to get stretched out again. Would you would you hang on now since you hung on this long?
2: Um for Casey Mize?
1: Yeah. Would you is he is he a drop in a twelve or no?
2: Um sorry, I was looking at uh, Manny Machado. Uh who yeah, who was just really unlucky earlier on in this year. Like, yeah, Machado's
1: doing what he should be doing. He's gonna do a pipe yeah. for the rest of the year. Like there's not a whole lot of analysis that needs to be done there. He's he's crushing it and he should crush
2: it going forward. He's a beast. So Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um let's see. Yeah. Yeah. I think if in a 12 teamer, if Mize is not throwing five innings, I think he's a drop. Yeah. Cause the thing is he doesn't strike out enough guys really no. to make it all that worthwhile. Um, yeah,
1: that was even his problem. When he was going deep. It was kind of like walks were a concern
2: and strikeouts were like here and there. It was inconsistent. Yeah. yeah he's got a 20.2% walk rate yeah, or strikeout rate, strikeout rate, excuse me. So yeah, no, know he'd be a drop for me.
1: He'll be one of those guys. Once he gets stretched out, you can stream him. In the right matchup, say so you get the Royals or something, you could probably play with it. But there's a lot of starts like when they go into Chicago for the weekend. Are you playing them? Probably not. Um, there's like yeah, there's just there's just a handful. You're not going to play them anyways. So I I didn't roster them to begin with. But uh, yeah, 12 teams, I, I'd be dropping for sure. Uh, John Wilder has a couple questions for us, and they're non-baseball questions. And John is such a nice guy. After he tweeted this out, he DM'd me and goes, "Hey, you don't have to answer those if you don't want to. They're not baseball." I said, "No, these are the questions we like the most." So like <laughs> bye, this bye. is great,
2: John. By by the way, breaking news, Ty Anderson traded to the Mariners, not the Phillies. So they went got a starting pitcher. Tyler Anderson is not that. I'm not impressed.
1: Isn't that the guy that was supposed to go? Yeah, to the Phillies. Like, it made sense to the Phillies. I just need a five-inning guy, but uh, Mariners, I'm telling you. I'm going to keep – I'm going to hold my ground that I, they are blowing this up, and it's not going to be pretty, like – Whatever chance they had, they're gonna just destroy this thing. Can't wait to see more talk on that one. But uh John had two questions. Favorite combination of food that you like the most, people wouldn't try. So what's something you really like, Toby? Favorite that you really like that most people wouldn't try.
2: That most people wouldn't try.
1: See, I can't think of much because I don't go out on a limb too much. Like sushi, some people wouldn't like. I like oh. I love Thai food, but some people don't like Thai food. I don't know who like, on what earth what doesn't do like you? Thai food
2: or sushi. Come on, dude! I come,
1: I come out, come hang out with my redneck friends. Like they sit there and like I tell a the sushi, they have, they make sure it's a hibachi place also, so
2: they can survive. It's comical. Um. Uh, okay. Uh, my lunch every single day. Um, is pretty much every single day I have a bowl of oatmeal, and I put cinnamon. Turmeric, okay. cardamom, hemp hearts, raisins, and bananas.
1: Cinnamon, and raisin, and bananas—you got you got me there. I—I'm I, the, I'm the other oh, ones. I, I'm lost.
2: It's so good. I mean, it's just like
1: the thing you know, is. I try, I would good. try
2: it. Cinnamon's good. It's very anti-inflammatory. Turmeric yeah. is very good. It's very anti-inflammatory. And cardamom, I don't know if it's anti-inflammatory, but it's good for your gut health. Okay. I know. Um, so I have that every day for bre- for lunch, pretty much. I have pretty much like every single day I'm home, that's what I'll eat for lunch. And I absolutely love it. Like I, I look forward to eating it so much. Um, and I don't think a lot of people would try it, especially when you saw it, when you actually looked yeah. at it, like this pile of mush that's like orange because yeah. of the turmeric and like nice got raisins and bananas in it or whatever i don't know if you feel like it try it i do like a teaspoon of cinnamon half a teaspoon of turmeric um just a little dash like not a dash but like maybe like a eighth of a teaspoon of cardamom just because it's really strong and then like a handful of raisins one banana and then uh three tablespoons of, of hemp hearts oh and peanut butter I also put peanut butter in there. And oh, that's it. the kicker right there. That just makes it that's, all taste better. Yeah, that just stuff. takes yeah, away yeah, all yeah. there. It brings it all together. I mean, um,
1: Al- Alex Thistlewood said, "Tweet out that recipe." So next time you make it tomorrow, okay. take a picture of it and then tweet out the recipe with the picture. Cool, cool. That's what you got to do. do that. That'll be that's fun. The with, that's the thing with me is like I would not have thought about doing that, but I'll try almost anything. That's the thing. Okay. Like I won't eat onions. I hate uh, uncooked onions. Cooked onions, I mean, uncooked can't do it um oysters i hate i'll i've tried them all but i hate like i I can't the texture can't do it or if or if they're too salty i get some that are like so salty i can't do it man but they taste like the ocean yeah there's that's too much like there's some i like like i i have a friend that loves oysters so like we'll go and he'll order different types which i didn't even know existed until i went with him some of them are really good depending on what locations you get them from what regions but then some if you get them like straight out of this nasty salt salt area, it's I when it's too salty, I can't do it. Can't do it. Oh man. But um you know, but I I this weekend. On or something. See, if, if they're done right, I'm good. That's why I'll try anything once. Like I'm good with that. And and that was thanks to my wife, because before I met her, I wouldn't eat sushi, I wouldn't eat a lot of things. So I've done all that now. That's good. So I can't think it I can't think of anything too nasty though, because like not that yours was nasty, but something that someone else wouldn't try. I can't really think of anything. Off, 'cause I'm pretty basic when it's just me cooking. Like I have like turkey sandwiches and like I eat steak. I I don't I'm not off the board stuff. So I can't um, that's a bad question for me. Toby, I knew would <laughs> have a good answer. I know it'd have um, a good answer. I
2: love these types of questions. Uh, yeah. one thing about oysters, they're alive when you eat them, which is kind of creepy yes. to think about, but like I don't
1: know. Some of the best some of the best sushi you've ever had was still alive when you eat it too. Cause the vet some of the best stuff I've ever had was Straight fishing in Cabo, tuna fishing, oh. and they cut it up on the boat. So literally, it hasn't had enough time to technically die yet. <laughs> and oh, you gotta kill it easier. first, Baba. Oh uh,
2: yeah. You know. I mean, it's... they
1: do. They do it a roundabout way, but it's still like you know, it takes X amount of time for it to. <laughs> I,
2: I had an ahi steak this weekend as well. That was yes. delicious.
1: Like uh, you get some, fre- like the best tuna I've ever had. I know it's not everybody can't do it. I've been fortunate to uh, go on trips that are paid for or taken care of for, through my work. But tuna fishing off the coast of Cabo, not like in San Luis, but like you land and you drive like an hour. Amazing. Best tuna, best seafood I've ever had in my life. Absolutely amazing. So that's what I'd recommend if you can do it someday. The other question he has, most annoying children's TV show that has been played in your house?
2: Most annoying children's TV show that has been played in my house? I don't know if any of them are that annoying. See, that's how I felt. I was like thinking, I'm like,
1: I'm, it's, I'm in a short run. You've had much more time than I've had on this. But yeah. like, we live on Bluey. Bluey's like the oh, go-to Bluey's right amazing. I love it. I, I mean, wish my kids my wife, still watch Bluey. My, my wife and I laughed the other day going, there's nothing on TV. Do you want to watch Bluey? Because it's like, it's <laughs> the go-to. Bluey's and so every little great. one's fussy. We can put Bluey on. The, the The song starts and she just gets all happy. Like. guess it's perfect the song do, do, is do, so do, good do, 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 do. like i gotta see i watch it way too much but like for me i guess the most annoying one but we don't watch it a ton like blues clues i just can't do it annoys not mm. just gone out of me but like i haven't been able,
2: so. able to get into blues clues yeah or dora i think it's like you know the shows now the, the shows that i find they're not in the most annoying but like the shows with a with like Fighting and violence in them, yeah, you know, like not like over the top violence and stuff like that, but um, you know, those ones I, I don't like it when my kids I, my kids. I'm always like now like you need to be watching educational programs, you know. So it's like Wild Kratts, like they're into Wild Kratts right mm. now, which is great. They're learning about animals, stuff like that. Um, they watch like you know Magic School Bus, the the newer Magic School Bus. They watch, but my my oldest is. He's 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 watched all the Star Wars like every Star Wars thing imaginable like all the cartoons like that they have that not good. not um not the Mandalorian but like all the yeah. other ones now he's watching the last airbender oh, um, So he's, he's he's seen some good stuff Yeah 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 he's he's yeah. you know he's he's older but the little one when he watched it when it gets too wild he he just gets too wild like today we would let him watch some a show that we hadn't before and it was like uh, it was a bad decision it was a bad adult choice to let him <laughs> do that as he like ran around the house like pretending he was a monster and
1: destroying things I'll, I'll make a fun question in in, in light of John's thing, and trust me people i have a bunch more fancy baseball questions for us but we're having some okay. fun you know parenting things here so I mentioned like when, Blue, when Bluey's like music starts up, she'll freeze and like smiles and watches TV. Like, like she can be playing in her play area and all of a sudden it's like funk. And so – what there's one other thing that she'll do. Oh, there's a few, but there's one for sure. What are some things that like your kids have all of a sudden like a noise like from a TV comes on. All of a sudden it changes everything. Like boom, it's like the go to.
2: Oh my God, like, any sc- any any television screen with any noise <laughs> and they're like when they were smaller before they there? really understood are it. Are you yeah, there? <laughs> Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. Well, I I ask because the funniest one recently that my wife and I laugh at is that the Geico Gecko commercial comes on. She'll stop everything and start giggling when the gecko talks. <laughs> it's the funniest That's thing awesome. we've ever seen.
2: It's hilarious. So
1: I, I had to share it. It was, it was like, it's like she literally just stops whatever
2: she's doing. So it doesn't end in childhood either. I mean, think about me with my phone. I'm like looking no, at my phone. Me both. I, get, I, get, I get my wife's like, can you hear me? Are yeah. you there?
1: You know? I get in trouble for that all the time. All the time. So yeah, I bet this past weekend you were told to leave that phone like the room.
2: <laughs> i did i did not we didn't have service most of the time oh, beautiful it was beautiful, beautiful it was lovely
1: all right let's get back to some fancy baseball stuff here because i know we'll go down some tangents again um our buddy cujo Joe, at jones curtis w asks what are you doing with starting pitchers like freddie peralta he's too good to, and we talked about because he's getting kind of regulated time he'll get out he says he's too good to just drop and hopefully they only pull him early every other week I think you just roll with them unless you have like a two start that's better than him possibly, because I think more often than not, he's still going to go five or six.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think you roll. I think you roll with him like this week. They said that, that Freddie Peralta was not the guy that they were going to cut short this week. Um, So I have him in there this week, just try to follow the news. And if they give any clues about who they might pull this week or that week, um, you know, go for it. But, you know, I mean the case that he provides for you, um, the whip, the ERA, everything is, is golden. So, uh, especially in like a 15 teamer, I think I actually have him on the bench in a 14 teamer this week. Um, just because I have a bunch of two starts, but um, yeah, anyways,
1: yeah, no, that's kind of how I feel. If they're gonna move it around, like you said. We've talked about the, the the Brewers, at least, kind of admitted what they're doing. Like, we have an idea of what's happening. Totally. Uh, our buddy, uh, Mr., Mr. Byron Buxton fan club president of the world, Dan. Um, asks, any idea what's going on with Framber Valdez and Ramon Loriano? The Fram burglars' whip over the last month has been whipping my ratios, and Laser Ramon's ex-wobograph over his last 100 plate appearances looks like the Goliath S6 flags over Georgia. I haven't dug in a ton on Ramon. I, I know it's been, it's been rough, but uh, Framber, this was the concern going into the year. Walks have been a concern with him in the last like few starts, he's been walking the world. So, like, I'm going to keep running him out there, but it's it's terrifying. I'll be completely honest. His talent's too good to sit, in my opinion, and they let him go 100-plus pitches. We know that, and he missed so much time, he's not going to be on an limit. So he's getting out there every start. But that was a concern coming into the year, and it's been very, very valid the last couple of weeks. It's been 100% on board with what you're saying. It's just I'm going to keep throwing him out there because he's still an ace.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at his walk percentage, it's 10.5%. I mean, it's, it's about at what his career average walk rate is. He doesn't get chases on pitches outside the zone, doesn't get ahead of batters particularly well either. So he doesn't have a lot of those metrics going for him. You know, last year, the major difference was that he was in the zone about 5% more. So, you know, walks have always been a part of Framber's profile. It's just that last year they were not. And he's showing so far, again, we only have 66 innings that, um, you know, that, that that those are still an issue for him, which isn't necessarily surprising. I think that the thing about Framber is, you know, the extreme ground ball rate, which he's still getting, I mean, 71.4% ground ball rate. That's crazy. ridiculous. It's yeah, I mean, that ground ball rate.
1: Season said he would not be able to do that, and he's doing it again.
2: <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, uh, that ground ball rate. Is going to make it so that you know he's he's really Babbitt dependent, and he's getting a lot of lot of double plays when he walks guys. So hopefully the damage isn't that bad, but but walks are are definitely um, an issue Uh, with Ramon Laureano with the great question because I have him in a bunch of places. Um, I mean the thing about him is he's got 14 home runs, 11 stolen bases. You know his projections would put him at a 24 17 season. Um, which, you know, you take it, right? Like, that's that's brilliant. Uh, the BABIP is lower than it has been historically by about 30 points. So that helped tell you why maybe the batting average is a little lower at 242. But again, projections had him with a lower batting average. You know, that was one of the criticisms that I and others had was that the batting average was maybe a little bit too low Contact rate is about where it's been throughout his career. You know, he he is swinging at pitches outside the zone a little bit more, so maybe he's not making the same quality of contact that he is. Uh, Max EV is the highest it's ever been. Barrel rate is the highest it's ever been. Hard hit rate is right about where it's at. I mean, this is kind of who he is. Like he's not a he's not a two. You know, maybe he's not the two eighty eight guy we were all anticipating. I do think there's a little, there's maybe a little, little bump coming for him. He hasn't really gotten hot like, like he's capable of doing. But I mean, you can't really complain with what he's been able to provide so far, right? I mean, for a guy that you got, you know, in, in around pick 150, 130 to 150, you're looking at 24, 17, you know, a 242 average, which is right around league average. And then you're getting close to, you know, uh, 70 to 80 runs in RBI and that's with him missing you know a decent amount of time earlier on in the year at least two to three weeks I think with that high Elston so yeah I mean this is kind of who Laureano is I I don't think our expectation should be that much higher but I think he's, he's certainly capable of more so hopefully that happens.
1: Yeah, and you got to think he's a streaky hitter from time to time. He's probably been battling injuries besides just the IEL stint, the way he plays so hard in the outfield. Um, and coming into tonight's game on Tuesday, he has a seven-game hitting streak. So he's hitting 321 over the last week with a home run, two doubles, got caught stealing, so he missed a stolen base. Not walking at all, so that part sucks. But everything else checks the box, and he's hitting the ball hard right now. He's getting on base. He's doing the little things. He's batting fourth or fifth, playing center field. Um, I think he's going to come in waves. He'll have a hot streak this last two months, somewhere that kicks things back up, like Toby said. And by the end of the season, he's going to have the power, speed combo you wanted. And batting average is down everywhere this year. It's down everywhere, so you can't get too too mad about that. I think he's like Toby said. He's kind of the guy we expected him to be, and you can't get too bummed out about that one. Like he was never going to be the next like big like Mike Trout or something like you're hitting 20 to almost 25 20 almost like that's pretty darn good in the grand scheme of things so can't think don't, don't think there's too much worry about there so with Frambert and Ramon I just stay the path with both I think you're just fine all right a couple more questions here Dave at the big 4 asks I'd be curious to know what you guys think about Jonathan scope. he's got two guys we'll start what do you think about Jonathan scope um, remember he had a red hot start to the season or like middle part of the season, I should say, and since then he's just kind of been petering around. Like he's been good, not great. Great chance that uh, the Tigers are trying to trade him right now. Not sure they will, but they're probably trying to trade Jonathan Scope again. He's another guy that oh my god! If you look at his game log, he has a uh, he has hit in every game. Let me do the math here: One, five, eight, 12. He has a sixteen game hitting streak going into tonight's game. Jonathan
2: Scope. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. For sure, he scored the winning run. You know who's been a revelation of late? Who? Miggy. Yeah, I mean he's been great. That's why personally. you. That's why you added him in a few. I years. have him every. I have him like in every DC too. Um, all right, so Jonathan Scope batting average is the highest it's ever been in his career outside of his like golden season in 2017. His, he's cut the strikeout rate, which makes sense. His contact rate is the highest it's ever been in his career. You know the hard hit rate is fine. The ground ball rate's where it kind of normally is. BABIP is a little elevated for him, but not anything too abnormal. What was the question? Is he gonna? Is he it's, gonna? He basically, he basically just asked. He's curious of what we thought about Jonathan Scope the rest of the season. Oh, I mean, he looks—he looks like a very useful player, especially in deeper leagues. Yeah. Wow, look at this! He's got his highest max exit velocity of his career doing, this year yeah. at one seventeen. Yep barrel rate is the highest of his career at 8.9%. It's all there. I mean, you look at his rest of season projection. It's great too. 260 with 10 home runs, 27 runs, 30 RBI. I mean, that's massive. That is that's uh if he d- hits that, his season he's going to end at like 280 280, 27 home runs, 90 no, 80 runs. 90 RBI and two stolen yep. bases from a guy who is free. Yep. I mean, that's great.
1: And he's multi position eligible because he plays first base and second base. He plays a lot of first base now. So you got corner infield and middle infield, which is outstanding. I think probably the question came up because, like, he's got, they like said, a 16 game hitting streak. He's hitting 354, but he's only got four extra base hits, including one home run. Um, so it's like a 0.92 ISO. The power kind of disappeared after that insanely hot stretch. But I, I kind of look at it from the, the the positive side of it. His hard hit rate and his barrel rate down way below his season norm, and he's still hitting three fifty four over that stretch. So like once that comes back, which it's going to, you're going to get the power with it. You're going to get the runs because he's still hitting in the middle of the order. A a, a a Tigers order is actually pretty good right now. So I think he's a great player. My only concern is if he gets traded, is he a platoon piece? wherever he goes. That would be my only concern. So to answer your question, if he's with the Tigers the rest of the season, I love Jonathan Scope. Now, if he goes to a contender that needs a platoon piece, because we know Scope's, all, like, before this year, is was always, oh, we're going to play him versus lefties and see where things go. Well, he's doing it all right now. So that would be my only concern. The other you, question he had, or sorry, do you have more?
2: I was just going to say, I mean, like, this is how this is how baseball generally works is like guys get hot and guys get cold. And a lot of times they're right in the middle. And the difference between a really good season and a mediocre season is one week extra where you're hot. You know, like it really I mean, like the more and more it's just like, you know, it's just variance. Right. And it's like, do you have the positive variance on your side for that year or the you know, like. Or the unlucky, like, it's just, that's how it often operates. And so, yeah, just don't set our expectations too high for these guys. Like, we know, kind of know who they are and be super happy about Jonathan Scope and what he's been able to do this year so far. I didn't even realize how good he'd been because I don't have him anywhere yeah he's been outstanding,
1: and that's why it's it's one of those things you just kind of like you mentioned there's the hots there's the cold, it's a six month season. So you gotta kind of wait it out. Like you'll see certain telltale signs that say this guy just doesn't have it. That's fine, but there's certain guys that are, like I said, he's he's hitting sixteen games. the power's not there, but he's hitting still. Like I'm gonna take that and run with it and see where it goes. Um His other question was Mark Hanna, who missed a lot of time on the IL with a hip injury. I thought he was gonna be out a lot longer than he was. He came back uh, right after the all-star break, hitting two sixty nine since the seventeenth. 3 doubles, no homers, 1 stolen base, still walking a ton, but the power is pretty much zapped right now, Toby. So, what's your thoughts on Connick? Cuz I think I'm I'm concerned about the hip injury. I'm still playing him everywhere I have him cuz I know the talents there and the on-base percentage is awesome, but I am uh, nervous that the overall production's kind of not be the same the rest of the way.
2: Yeah, it's really tough. You know, he's played like I think 7 or 8 games since he came back from the injury like the telltale sign that a guy is, um, you know, is, is kind of struggling for me is ground ball rate. Or like if the injury is still bothering him. So like with him, like Kana's ground ball rate is at close to 80%. It's the highest it's been in three years over an eight game stretch. So what that tells me about Kana is that he, that, that he's, that he's not healthy. Like there's still an issue there. There's something that his physical health is encumbering. I'm going to use encumbering his, his mechanics in some way at the dish. And so it's probably not going to be pretty until health wise, he feels better. Um, Because when you have an 80% ground ball rate over eight games, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to do a lot of good. So yeah, it, it's the hip injury and that's why I was saying 80%. Yeah.
1: It's, it's the hip injury. That's what I was concerned about. Really? Think think about his teammate, Matt Chapman last year. No power, no power at all. He had the hip injury played through the whole short season. Mm-hmm. Thank God, but he had no power and he still kind of looks like it's lingering from time to time this year. So I, I think we won't see the full Mark Kana until next season, potentially. Like the on-base skills will be there. He's walking a ton. He's going to get, he's going to, you know, score runs. I don't think the power's coming back
2: very totally. much at all. So yeah, I mean he's hitting first in that lineup, like you mentioned. So yeah. he's gonna score he a ton that, of runs, but and, and he's stealing, he got
1: one steal. Like he's gonna probably add another five or six steals the rest of the way, but he can't elevate the baseball right now, like you said. I and mean, that's all because he probably can't dip down with the hip at all. He's probably just he's staying level and coming down, he's not coming under because he's not uh, you know, twisting the right way. I don't know. But uh, it makes sense if you visualize a person on their hip trying to swing a bat. So think about it that. Yeah, way. zero home runs
2: in his last 25 games for Connor. Yeah, it's bad. Very bad.
1: At uh, Rob Wedig asks, is Sean Murphy ever going to pay dividends this year? Would I be better off with the rest of the year with Garver, Haas, Kirk, or Stassi instead? What were the names? Um, Garver, Haas, Kirk, or Stassi.
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing ab- the thing about it is, I mean, I'm looking at his line. He's not that bad, and it's not that bad. No, I mean the two twelve is killing you, but we kind of had to know that that the batting average was what 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 the concern was, right? So again, the, the bad x hasn't projected for a two thirty two batting average, so that Babbitt's low lower than it has been historically, but theoretically, like for the rest of the season, he should have that higher Babbitt. So if he hits 230 the rest of the season, seven home runs, 18 and 20, I mean, I bet if you looked at his projection early in the season, that's about what you were going to get. And so again, I think like, and it's not to say like, you know, and I don't mean to be like critical, like, cause it's a good question, but I think a lot of times we just have to think about what our assumptions or our expectations are for players and recognize that like, if we, like the projections are generally going to get fairly close to what, what they're going to get at. Right. Like that's the best guess we have. And when a guy is in line with his projections, we can't be all that surprised. And that doesn't mean that you can't be disappointed because your expectations were higher or you thought he was going to do more. But I mean, you're looking at a guy who's probably going to see, finish the season with like, you know, uh, 220 batting average, close to 20 home runs, uh, 45 to 50 runs and six 60 to 65 RBI for a catcher. I mean, that's probably a top, you know, 10 top 15 catcher, which is where he was going this year. So again, like not that you shouldn't be disappointed if you had higher expectations, but this is kind of the guy that this is kind of who Sean Murphy is. Um, And that's a fine, it's a fine, fine ball player, especially, I mean, think about like all the changes that are happening in the league. Like, home runs are down, batting average is down. All of those things are kind of showing up uh, with, with Murphy. So if you were to look at his projection, what it was before the season, and then we were able to have the data that we have now about what's changed season over season, then I think you know compared to league average, he's probably about where the projections had.
1: Yeah, I have no problem with Murphy. I think he's a great player. He's doing what you kind of expected. If you wanted to play Garver, assuming he's not hurt too bad with the wrist, or if you want to go Eric Haas and keep rolling that while you can because it doesn't seem like it's stopping. Plus he plays the outfield so he plays almost every day. I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. I'm I'm okay with going that route just because kind of goes back to there's so many catchers available. Like I'm I'm okay with it. I think Murphy's great and I think if you do drop him, he's going to get added very quickly. So keep that in mind because he's still a very like he's one of those guys that you would not be shocked if he went on like a two to three week streak where he hits like seven home runs and drives in like fifty. Like he's he can go on a monster because he hits the ball so hard. So uh, you you wouldn't be shocked about
2: that at all. Yeah, ha- uh, Haas is Haas is the one of that group that kind of stood out to me as well, yeah. like in terms of what he's been able to do and, you know, um, just in terms of what he's playing. I mean, he's played – in the last six games, he's played catcher five times. Haas mm-hmm. has. Um, yeah, and that,
1: but that's because Jake Rogers is on the I.L. When Jake oh, Rogers was playing, man. Haas was in the outfield. Good call. Yeah, yeah. so – That's something to keep in mind. Like, Regardless, Haas is going to play is the point somewhere. So you got that going for you. Hey, and if you're feeling frisky, you can always put Haas in the outfield because he's been productive enough to do it in deeper leagues and get another catcher if you feel like it. So (laughs) knock yourself out. Um, Zaddy Guerrero Jr. asks, for those of us in leagues with trading, what's the best buy low and best sell high candidates? That is a loaded question.
2: Man, you know, just to toot my own horn, I was on a podcast last week. Um, and I even sent the names over the week before and Jorge Soler and Aaron Nola were the two guys that I was, I was going for. I also got a question in my DMS about like infielders and this is like super cheap, but like what I look at, if I'm looking for a second half turnaround, look at guys who have super low babbits. look at guys who have super low home run per fly ball rates for, for hitters. So if I'm going to use that, I'll just use that right now. Um. So, guys who have super low babbits, Eugenio Suarez. Like, I think his babbits going to be lower overall, but I do expect a, str- a stronger second half. He is an infielder. He hit a home run today. Again, everything he's contributing is solid, except for the batting average. And if he can get that Babbitt up, if he can hit two thirty the rest of the season, you know, I think he could be really good. Again, Jorge Soler is pretty far down on here. Um. Jose Ramirez, believe it or not, like he's hitting 252. His BABIP is 239. Um, he's got one of the lower BABIPs. Um, you know, Cesar Hernandez might be a guy that I think could take a step forward in his in his batting average a little bit. Um, he's got a really low BABIP. You know, so that's what I'd kind of use is compare those to, you know, what their, their BABIPs have been historically. Um, and I think that's kind of a good just – a good way to approach it. Uh, as I think the same thing for home run per fly ball, like look for guys that are way out of whack on those. Cause those are some of the, the metrics that take the longest time to stabilize. And there, there can be some positive regression that's just kind of waiting um, to happen. So guy like Glaber, you know, is another one, right? 7% home run per fly ball. If you look at his career, it's probably much lower than that. We're seeing what he's doing in the second half. Um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa has been, he's get he's hitting a ton of ground balls, but you know, he, he had was super hot beginning of the year. He's been really cold, but he should be doing, I think better than what he's been doing so far. Um, so he's another example of a guy who can kind of take a, um, you know, another step forward, uh, compare, um, you want to know what I should do. Do you have any guys while, while I'm, blabbering on you know,
1: Soler and Torres, are the guys I've talked about for like three weeks now on shows and articles that I've been pounding the desk to go get. So, um, especially Torres, like Torres is showing everything all of a sudden. So those are some very, very, uh, important ones. I've been tweeting about and writing about talking about. So yeah, that's where I'm at.
2: Yeah. I mean, one, one good one that I like to use that I've talked about in other places is look at home run per fly ball, um, and barrels. And look where there's where there's gaps or barrels and home runs, and which guys have a very low percentage of their home runs or their barrels that are becoming home runs. Like league average is a little over fifty percent. So if a guy has like like Jorge Soler has like thirty barrels but only seven home runs, that's a guy who will probably kind of take a step um, a step forward in the next next little bit. So those are, those are the things uh, as opposed to like just pointing out the guys who they are, because I'm not I'm not in any trading leagues. I mean, well, I'm in like one or two, but like um, none that I'm like super active in trading for. Um, I think that process is more important. Like what metrics do you look at? What do you how do you identify the guys that you think are going to take the next step?
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um... We answered Dave Petroziello's question already about Casey Mize and Trevor Rogers, so we're good there. Uh, phony Front Office 99 asks, I'm getting killed in whip and ERA, but otherwise in the hunt to win. How do you guys rank these pitchers rest of season? Patrick Sandoval,
2: Chris Flexen, Lucas Gilbert, Luis Garcia. Um, I'm assuming the Gilbert is Logan, right? Sorry, yes, Logan Gilbert, yes. Yeah. Um, I'd say Logan Gilbert one, Patrick Sandoval two, who were the other ones? Flexen and,
1: and Luis Garcia,
2: Luis Garcia and Flexen. I don't mind Flexen. I think Flexen is good, but he's, we saw it today. Um, he's a little bit, he doesn't get the K's that those other guys get. And, um, and so he can be bad it. And like today he gave up nine hits in four innings, you know, which happens right he also gave up some home runs and he's generally been good at limiting that so um but like luis garcia is great but i think as you mentioned bubba there are some concerns about how many innings he's gonna go i have fewer concerns about sandoval and gilbert i think gilbert's really good and i mean um again not to my horn but i liked him even when he was doing poorly because the metrics showed that he was a lot better than than um what he had been performing the underlying metrics had so Gilbert, Gilbert, yes. And then Sandoval, I think, has been really good. Obviously, his last start was absolutely incredible. He's not going to do that, but he's got that ground ball, strikeout combination. Again, a little susceptible to walks and, and blowups, but who isn't these days?
1: Yeah, I go Gilbert, Sandoval. I'll put Flexin over Garcia, because I just don't think Garcia throws enough meetings the rest of the way. And I don't see Flexon going anywhere. But uh, And I have Flexin in some 15s also, so I don't mind him at all, so but mainly um, Gilbert and Sandoval would be uh, great ones if you could find them somewhere. Um, last question we have here is our buddy Mindy David Mendelssohn from Triple Play Fantasy. Thoughts on trying to acquire Jose Barrios while he still wins Jose Barrios? Twins have had his problems in developing pitching, and I feel like if he gets traded, he'll take a step forward to be more the pitcher we thought he could be. I think we, he is who we thought he would be personally, or he is who he is basically. But if you can get him, go for it. Just, I wouldn't
2: overpay. Yeah. I mean, consistent as they go, like he's having his best season ever. You know? Yeah. Like he's money. 348 ERA would be the lowest of his career. 104 whip would be the lowest of his career. Um. And that's even with kind of a relatively low strand rate. The BABIP is low, but he's doing, he's just, he's solid as a rock. And maybe there is another level, but again, like the things that I'm looking for, if I think the guy's going to go like next level are a velocity spike, which is really hard to predict or a pitch mix change. And I'm not sure he has the pitch mix to get all that better with what he's got. I mean, it's fine. It's gotten him to where he's at, but like, you know, the curveball has never had an elite swinging strike rate. Uh, The four seam has never, the sinker has never, the changeup has never. So he lacks that one incredibly dominant pitch. So maybe there's something pitch design wise that they could do to make him better. But I mean, the twins, maybe they haven't developed a lot of young players, but they've, they've actually, I think in the last couple of years, done some really good things in, in having pitchers have career years. Look at what Kenta Maeda was able to do and, you know, some other players who have kind of hopped up and, and been better. So I think they should get a lot for Barrios. a lot. He's still only 27, um, but he is kind of who he is, which is a very good pitcher and, and he's, extremely he's, he's, reliable.
1: He's, he's affordable for another couple years too, which is crazy. So he should get a massive haul if they choose to do so. That's all I know. But um yeah, I think he is who he is though. The, the biggest reason I liked him going to the season, he's an innings eater. Uh, I was comparing, like I said, if people like Kyle Hendricks so much, why do you not like Jose Barrios? Like, they're very similar to me. Like Hendricks is better, but they're very, very similar innings. um, Ratios won't crush you. Strikeouts are kind of what they are type deal. So uh, you're getting that from Barrios this year, and I don't see it changing no matter where he goes. Uh, I think it will be just as good, and he might be even better with a really good uh, playoff push going behind him. So you can get him. Go for it. I don't see massive change, like Toby said, unless you get a pitch mix change, which – I don't know if the team's going to want to do that at this point in the season. When you get a guy to kind of help push you over the, uh, the edge type thing. So it'd be kind of risky to try to re rebuild the picture. That's like an off season thing. I think with Jose Barrios. All right, Toby, that'll wrap us up. Any final thoughts as we uh, head to another week of fantasy baseball, two more months left, Bubba.
2: Yep. We're two thirds of the way through the season. There's just a lot that can change. I mean, I can tell you, um, there's still a lot that can change between now and the end of the season. So don't, don't give up, plan that strategy. How are you going to move up? How are you going to cash? So I'm thinking about right now, how am I going to cash in some of my leagues? How am I going to win some of the, my leagues, what is the strategy and, and start implementing it now? Right. Cause what you don't want to do is be like, Oh damn, last two weeks of the, of the season, I really got to develop like what my strategy is to get here, you know? So um, have a strategy, realize that a lot can move, um, you know, and, and, and try to implement it. And good luck this weekend. Good luck with those Eloy Jimenez bids. Uh, this yeah, weekend. that's going to be a wild, be wild.
1: Yeah, I went and deep then- on <laughs> yeah. Tuesday. It was great. It was great. And Lou Bob's coming back soon. I doubt he's available anywhere, but uh, he started his AAA rehab on Tuesday. Chris Sale's coming back this weekend. Uh, Cookie Carrasco's coming back on Friday. Lots of fun stuff, folks. So, yeah, long ways to go. Long, long ways to go. You can make your moves. It, uh, it seems like it's impossible sometimes, but uh, every little bit helps. So keep... Uh, Keep grinding. Don't overspend. That's the one thing we say time and time again is don't overspend. But uh, good luck, everybody. Check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I'm Matt BD Entrick. It's another episode of Bub and the batfoot We'll catch you guys next week.